Let's pray. Father, once again, we give you thanks and praise for the wonderful gift of the body and blood of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray that this eating and drinking will once again remind us that our sins are indeed are forgiven. And may it also give us strength to meet the challenges of each and every day as we walk in your name. Amen. Let me begin uh, today's message by saying that I think I may have given it the wrong title. The bulletin in the screen says, well, go back. Well, I guess you leave it there. Uh, the bulletin says get advice, but getting advice doesn't necessarily lead to wisdom. I probably should have put take advice. So the question is, which should it be? Give advice or take advice? And the reason I might change it to take is because those people with wisdom, those people who start with the fear of the Lord, know how to seek wisdom, and they also have the ability to take godly wisdom as well. Now, getting advice is really easy. I think most of you know that. Everybody's willing to give you advice. I think of that little baby that was baptized this morning. You know, all you have to do is have a baby to get advice. You get that baby out in public, and people will come up and they'll say things to you like, Oh, I can't believe you brought that baby out in the middle of July without a coat on. Or they'll come up and they say, You keep letting that little baby suck his thumb and he'll have buck teeth. Or all you have to do is probably own your own business. And there'll be a lot of people out there that'll be more than happy to tell you how to spend your advertising dollars, uh, what your prices should be, what your hours should be, and on and on. And another easy way to get advice is to coach a sporting team. Now, I say this from experience because for 18 years, that's actually what I did. Coaching, high school basketball, even a year in college. And even though we generally won a whole lot more than we lost, there were always more than enough people who were willing to give me unsolicited advice on how to have a winning team. Most of their advice had something to do with play my kid more. Now, the point I'm making is this, that there are a lot of people, tons of advice out there and people who are more than willing to give it to you. The problem is, unasked for advice is worth what you paid for it. Nothing. And taking the wrong advice can get you into trouble. Now, this is why I go back to the beginning. We're saying the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we want to get our life together in a godly fashion. And we want to keep it together. So it is very important that we kind of fine-tune the art of not only giving godly advice, but learning how to take godly advice. Now, everybody needs it, and the book of Proverbs is loaded with it. There are a couple of Bible passages you know, Proverbs 19:20. Listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end you will be wise. Or Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15. The way of a fool seems right to him, but the wise man listens to advice. Now understand, every time we're talking about somebody who's wise, we're talking about somebody who has the fear of the Lord. Someone who, you know, we might put it this way, you listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end, you're going to know and appreciate God even more. Or the way of a fool, somebody who doesn't have the fear of the Lord, not does whatever he darn well pleases, but a godly person listens to 
advice. So this morning, I want to just share three simple things that I think will help you develop that biblical skill. Here's the very first one. When you seek advice, be selective. Be selective. I mean, you can get advice from anybody and everybody. Man, turn on the television during the day. There are all kinds of people who want to give you advice on how to live, all the way from, you know, people who are Bible teachers to uh, talk show hosts to whatever. But you've got to choose and really filter biblically, develop that biblical mindset that helps you choose what you're going to listen to. That is why, personally, I am very wary of unasked-for advice. And believe me, you want another profession where people are more than willing to tell you how to do your job? Be a pastor. Be a pastor. And there are always people who come up and kind of give me unasked for advice. And I've got to be honest with you, I'm a little bit leery of that. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm not going to tell you that that's all bad advice. But I think that truly wise people wait for you to ask for advice. Truly wise people will sit and listen to you, and they will wait before they give advice. They'll wait for you to ask for it. So before you kind of go out to get advice from anybody regarding a decision you're facing, be careful. In Proverbs chapter 14, it says, if you're looking for advice, stay away from fools. Actually, another version, it says it's even more pointed. If you're looking to be smart, stay away from idiots. That's pretty plain and simple. You want to be wise in God's kingdom, don't be getting your advice from people who aren't part of God's kingdom. Stay away from people who want to tell you how to run all those areas of life that they themselves are unable to manage themselves. I mean, for example, you would not go and ask the Chicago Cubs how to win a World Series. You would not ask people like Kevin or me how to keep a full head of hair. You know, when you need advice, you seek out advice from people you admire and respect and people who have credibility. Solomon says in chapter 13, he who walks with the wise grows wise. You heard me say this last week. How can you expect to soar like an eagle when all you do is hang around with turkeys? Hang around with wise, God-fearing people. Now, before you go and get some advice, I think there are a couple of things you ought to look for in getting advice or taking it. One is, I think you ought to look for someone who's been there and done that. You know, if you're poor and you want to become rich, seek the advice of somebody who'd been poor and now is rich. I mean, that, for example, I think is why 12-step programs or things like Alcoholics Anonymous really work well, because it's advice from somebody who's been there and done that. Let me tell you a little story where it's kind of embarrassing to me a little bit in a way, but it turned out good. In my first church, I had a lady come to me, an older lady, uh, in confidence told me that she was suffering from uh, cancer of the uterus. And she was somewhat embarrassed to tell that to me, but she had been getting, when she got treatment, everything turned out fine. And I told her, you really ought to share that with other people. And she says, oh, Pastor, you have no idea how embarrassing it was to even tell you let alone tell anybody else. A month passed and somebody else came to my office and told me that they were battling cancer of the uterus and I immediately blurted out. I could have slapped myself the minute I did it. I said, you really need to talk to Irene because she's been there, done that. 
It took about a week for Irene to show up in my office. Madder than a wet hen. Pastor, how could you tell somebody else about that? And I apologize. I just said, you know, I, that's not what I normally do. But it, just in the moment, I thought, who am I to talk to a woman about this when somebody who's been there done that would be better? And she said, well, she came up to me right in the aisle at Eagle Grocery Store. And she says, but I got to tell you, I was able to help her. Isn't that what 2 Corinthians starts out by saying? That which God has taken care of and shown us mercy and grace and love, we are now able to share it with other people who are in the same way. I think of the little child who came to me one time who was crying, and the teachers couldn't get her to stop crying. And when I finally got her settled down, and I said, why are you crying? And she said, you'd never understand. And I said, try me. And she says, my mommy and daddy are getting a divorce. And I said, I bet you think you're the only person that's ever happened to. She said, yes. And I said, guess what? It happened to me, too. I still remember she looked at me and she said, well, you didn't turn out so bad. <laughs> and I said, guess what? You're going to be fine, too. And if you talk to somebody who's overcome some sin or temptation in your life, a besetting sin, a business setback, that's all I'm saying. Been there, done that. They, they kind of know. But the second thing is to find somebody who has your best interests at heart. That's why I continually tell, and I want to encourage Christian people to get Christian advice. People who have your best interests at heart, because a lot of people really don't have your best interests at heart. You know, they, they're out there, they, they know you're in a vulnerable position, and they could take advantage of you. That's why you need to surround yourself with godly people who will sit there and listen to you, pray for you, and then give you advice only when you ask for it. Be selective. That's all the Bible tells us. Be careful where you get your advice. Here's number two. Be receptive. Now, I think one of the main reasons we often hesitate to ask for advice is because we're afraid that we are going to hear what we don't want to hear. That's why some people never show up at the pastor's office, because <laughs> they're afraid they might actually hear what they don't want to hear. And again, I'll just give you a personal illustration. About five or six years ago, I married a young couple. I'm going to call them uh, Jennifer and John. I had known Jennifer for a long time, in fact, since she was probably about a teenager. I never met John until we started going through the marriage process. Now, shortly before uh, Nancy and I left our previous church, I understood that this couple was having some marital problems. And her mom, who was also a member, suggested that they both come in and talk to me. Well, what happened was this. John said, I'm not going in and talking to him because he's Jennifer's friend and he will take Jennifer's side. And Jennifer said, I love Pastor Cole, but I'm not going to go in and because he's going to tell me bailing out of this marriage is not the right thing to do. Neither one of them wanted to hear what probably needed to be said, and they were stubborn so much that neither one of them listened to anybody's godly advice. And sadly, their marriage is in the process of disintegrating. 
See, in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, it is better to be a poor but wise youth than to be an old and foolish king who refuses all advice. I think if we were all honest, some of the biggest mistakes we've ever made in our life is because we chose not to follow godly advice. In fact, we're just downright stubborn. I posted Proverbs 19.20 on my Facebook page early this morning, and before I got to the fairgrounds, I had about five or six replies, and somebody said, thanks for telling a stubborn old Italian to take advice. Struck a note. Proverbs 12.15, the way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. You know, take it from somebody who's been there and done that, from people who have your best interests as a fellow Christ follower at heart. I mean, that's why businesses have boards of directors. That's why churches need godly people in leadership positions. I mean, some pastors I know feel somewhat stifled by governing boards, but the fact is, listen to me now, John, president of this congregation, sometimes pastors need to hear what they don't want to hear. Now, pretend I never said that. Let's move on. (laughs) When you seek advice, you have to be completely open to the advice that you're about to receive. And that's why it's important to seek godly advice. You have to be willing to hear what you don't want to hear. Here's the third thing the Bible tells us, and that's to be objective. You've got to understand that getting advice is not finding other people who will make all of your decisions. That's not what getting advice is about. Getting advice is the process of getting a good, objective view of your problem. You've got to remember that it's your decision. The decision you make belongs to you. And even if you follow somebody else's advice, it doesn't absolve you of your responsibility for your actions. It's your decision. You're the one who is going to live with the results one way or another. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Now, I want to urge all of you to develop friendships. We talked about that last week. Godly friends. People who will give you godly advice. But I also want to tell you, I think you need more than one. Maybe you need three or four or five or six or seven people sometimes for you to get godly advice. I have about three people that over the years I've given permission to tell me when enough was enough. They listen to my sermons on the web even though they don't necessarily live around here. They call me from time to time and they ask me, and I remember telling them at one time, you know, one is a, is a retired pastor, one of them is a somewhat retired farmer, and one of them is just a, a good friend who used to be uh, the principal at the school where I was at. But if they were to call me tomorrow and tell me, Barry, you are not effective anymore, it's time for you to retire, I'd be out of here so fast, all you'd hear would be the gravel spraying. Because I would take it. But now, if you have three people, if they all agreed, guess what? You're pretty much sure the advice is... But even if you get three different ones, now you've got something to work with. But godly people who have your best interest. Chapter 13, every prudent man acts out of knowledge. See, the more information you get, you know, it's your decision. So again, I tell you, develop those friendships where you've got some people who've been there and done that. 
people who have your best interests at heart, people who will tell you what you need to hear, and people who can be kind of a trusted group of people to help you develop an objective view of life. Now, if you do that, then Proverbs 19.20 kind of falls right into your lap. It says, listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end you will be wise. Now, I'm going to do something that violates virtually everything I've told you. I told you before that unasked for advice is worth what you pay for it. But I feel compelled this morning to give you some advice anyway. And I'm going to hope and pray that you will take it. Let me start this way by telling you that, you know, there are certain laws of the universe that just work. Virtually every morning when I get up, I look out of my bathroom window over here towards the church, first of all, to see whether it's still there, to know whether I have a job or not. But I also kind of check to see what the weather's like. Now, this morning when I looked out, it was rather dim out there, and I know that talking to Bobby before we drove in, talking to the Clements, who drove, it's foggy. Even when you got warm, moist air and cool ground, what do you get is a lot of fog. They're just laws that work that way. There are other laws that apply to a Christ follower's life that have to do with your relationship to God. And I want to tell you about them and offer you a piece of advice. The very first law has to do with this, that God loves you and that God has a wonderful plan for your life. That's a truism. God loves every last one of you and God has a wonderful plan for every one of you. We know about God's love from John 3.16. God so loved the world. That includes you. We know about God's plan because in John 10.10, what does it say? He said, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. Now, if that's true, and guess what? It is true. My question is, why do so many people not experience the abundant life? And I'd even... Park that in the Christian pew. The kind of baptized in vinegar kind of people that just seem to not have enough joy. And I want to suggest to you that's because they, they really don't understand how much God loves them and, and where God fits. And, and that really kind of leads us to, to the law number two, the reason that a lot of people don't understand God's law and they don't understand his purpose for their life. It comes down to one little three-letter word, Sin. Sin has separated us from God's love. Sin separates us from what? God's wonderful plan for our life. On Sunday mornings, we've been studying the book of Romans, and we know in Romans chapter 3, 23, it says, all have sinned, every last one of us. Now, you look at little Rebecca after a while, you're going to say, what a cute little baby. And at the same time, if you're honest, you say, and what a horrible little sinner. The truth is, we all sin. I don't care how old we are. I mean, I, had, I, I said this in Bible class a couple weeks ago. I visited an elderly lady in one of my churches, and she was well in her 80s, and I said something about, well, what's it like to be 85? And she said, well, one thing is you don't, even sin, you don't ever sin anymore. <laughs> I said, I just caught you in one. It's called sinful pride. <laughs> we all sin. And we know that we're all separated. The wages of sin is death. It separates us. So, you know, God is so holy and we are so sinful. There's a big divide. It's like we're on one side of the Grand Canyon and God is on the other. But you know what? We continually try to get on God's side. Now, 
Let me ask you, if you were on one side of the Grand Canyon and you, you got back a little bit and you ran as fast as you could, could you jump from one side to the other? No, you'd crash and burn. But people try to do that through different philosophies or by being as good as they can or you know, join as many boards as they can, but you can't. That's why there's a third law out there. And it has to do the fact that Jesus is God's only provision to bridge that great divide. It's through Jesus and only through Jesus that you will ever get from your side to God's side. So we need to understand, like Romans also tells us, that God demonstrated his love for us even while we were still sinners, that, we, that Christ died for us. We need to understand he rose from the dead. We know that that's even historically true. Jesus died went into the grave, came back to life, appeared to three, appeared to 12, appeared to 50, appeared to 500 people. And whether we like to say this or not, and it doesn't sound politically correct, Jesus is the only way back to God. I don't care whether you come up and say, well, pastor, the Muslims have a God, the Hindus have a God, all these other people have a God. Aren't they all the same God? Well, first of all, the answer is no. Second of all, even if they were the same God, even if they were, the only way to get to him is how? Through Jesus. I've studied enough world religions to know that we're the only religion, the Christian religion, that worships a living God. Everybody else worships dead gods. I know that if you were a practicing Muslim... Even Muhammad said, I have searched for the path to God, and I have not found it. I know that if you're a Hindu, it talks about many paths to reach God. And they said it's elusive, like chasing a butterfly, you'll never get it. And all religions are trying to figure out how to get to God, and Jesus is standing over there and going, Hey, hey, over here, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Nobody gets there except through me. If you picture the great divide, what you got is God bridging that great divide by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross. It's as if the arms of his cross reach from one side to the other and you can walk across to God. But you know something? It's not enough just to know those three laws because there's a fourth one. And the fourth one is this, that you need to individually receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord. That's the only way you'll ever experience God's love and his plan for your life. You can't get it because Grandma's got it. doesn't work that way. You, couldn't, you can't say, well, my child was baptized, therefore I'm in. No, it doesn't work that way. It's you. It has to be you. We must receive Jesus. John chapter 1 says, as many as received them, he gave the right to be called the children of God. We receive Christ through faith. That's what Ephesians tells us. For by grace are you saved through faith. And see, receiving Jesus means that we, start, we stop walking in the direction of the world and we start walking in the direction of God, which is called what? Repentance. Confession and repentance. It means that we ask Jesus to be in our lives and in our hearts and that we ask him to forgive our sins and to make us what he wants us to be. But i got to tell you, just to intellectually agree that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died on the cross is not enough. There are a lot of people out there who acknowledge Jesus. A lot of people acknowledge he died on the cross. But see, 
And it's not an emotional experience either. You know, that quiver in the liver or that walk down the aisle. You receive Jesus by faith. It's an act of will. Now, with all that being said, here's my advice to you. You probably wonder where the advice was coming. Here it is. Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior right now. That's my advice to you. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, my advice is do it right now. And my advice also to those of you who are parked in your pew as comfy little Lutherans, if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it doesn't hurt to say one more time, this too I believe. Yeah. Now, God knows your hearts this morning. I don't. I don't know what's going on in your heart. I'm not going to ask anybody to walk the aisle today or whatever. I don't know whether you're going to just renew it. My advice to you, it doesn't hurt to renew it. And my advice to you is if it's never been there, this is as good a time as any. Some of you may be wondering, well, what would I even say or what would I even do to get that done? I'll tell you that uh, God knows your heart and is not as concerned with your words as he is with the attitude of your heart. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. And in fact, I'm going to pray and I'm going to just, I'm going to pray just little phrases and I'm going to ask all of us just to repeat these words after me. Can you do that? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I open the door of my life and receive you as Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for giving me eternal life. Take control of the throne of my life. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. May God grant it for his son's sake. Please stand for our closing blessing, and then you'll notice also that we have one hymn verse to sing as we close.